Welcome to the Vulnerability Rocks podcast. You're listening to Emma Bell, and I believe that true healing starts with sharing. This episode, I would like to welcome Dean Clark as our guest. He is an online personal trainer and does online coaching, and he's also an amazing advocate for mental health for men. Um, Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you today? I'm good. I am. I'm. I'm okay. I'm. It's. It's just. It's been a tough one. I'm a little bit overwhelmed today, but that's like personal circumstances. But some events have happened today where it's. It's given me a little bit more of, not so much optimism, but uh, confidence. I guess in where I'm going, so I've got a good support network. So I'm I'm at different ends of the scale actually. That's bipolar, <laughs> <laughs> but also but, feelings. Yeah. And then before this, um, yeah, before we started recording, I shared with Dean um, the feelings wheel. And before we start today, I'm just going to do a quick uh, feelings and emotional check in with Dean. Could you share two feelings that you are feeling with us right now? Yeah, probably what I just spoke about just then, sort of the fearful side, um, anxious, bit of overwhelmed, like uncertainty once again. Um, but then, yes, yeah, that it's, it's the happiness side as well, um, knowing that I've got, I've got the respect of people, mm-hmm. and I guess I'm really thankful for it as well. And that takes a long time to process itself. Yeah, and it's um, interesting to me. Um, how we can polarize our emotions as good and bad and actually it's actually perfectly okay to feel anxious and thankful and fearful and hopeful all at the same time um so thank you for sharing that with me that these feelings coexist for you as well because i really want to normalize that for people because sometimes people struggle to think that's okay and they think there's something wrong with that but it's actually perfectly normal no, 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 I agree. And I, I don't think we're in touch with our emotions as much as we should be. And I think for guys as well, we 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 don't quite understand emotions. I separate gender roles as such, but I just feel that the, the men, they're in touch with their emotions, but they don't understand them. Mm-hmm. Um they I I guess I guess quite for myself, I was I was quite fearful of my emotions because it was something that I couldn't control. And I like to be in control. Mm-hmm. So some of the emotions I didn't understand, like things like overwhelming and, and stuff that was happening in my life, it was that was probably one of the hardest things to adjust, like understanding my emotions. I didn't know which one was which. Mm-hmm. And just tell me a bit more about that when you say that you were sort of afraid of, of your emotions feeling control. Which, which emotions would you say you were most fearful of? I've, it got, I think it got to a point in my life where it kind of came to this uncertainty where there was a lot of things that, because like I said, I was coming out, of, I, I was losing control of stuff, but that, that, that deeper emotion became sort of fear. I, I knew in my head that I'd have to take action on the way I felt mm-hmm. because I felt so deeply, deeply within inside. And I didn't realize it was depression, but I was so deep inside that, that fog, that mist, that, that just, I, I use it as a bit of a virus or as such like I I had no control of that so in my head I was like something's gonna happen like mm-hmm. I need to act on this but the actions were and I doubt we will talk about it later but the, the actions were such an, ex- an extreme reaction to how I was feeling mm-hmm. if I'd have understood that if I'd understood how I was feeling you know this I believe there's a high possibility I wouldn't have gone down the the road that I went down but I felt like I had no option mm-hmm. so we'll 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 dig into this a little bit more um but before we do that let's try and understand I'd like to understand what your story is where your journeys come from and how you ended up in a place where you were suffering with depression and mental illness and how, how did you get there so talk to me t- share your story with me yeah, well, um, 
Join, join the army at 16, young boy, <laughs> teenager, very naive, very immature. But at the time, it was so much like I wanted to follow, uh, you know, like people in my family, like my granddad, huge inspiration for me. Um, but also I had no choice, like heavily, as a teenager, heavily into drugs. Um, you know, a lot of people would be like, you know, you're in the wrong crowd. Like I was part of the crowd, like, you know, we all was. And it was getting quite bad. Um, so, yeah, joined the army, spent eight years in the British army as working in a reconnaissance regiment. Um, and, yeah, I, I kind of excelled in certain places. Um, I became uh, an athlete at the start of it. I, I flew out to Iraq on my first tour. Very young, very, very young. Um, and then went through my career just ticking off boxes and taking courses and I always wanted to push something as far as I could and that's always kind of been that that release for me is seeing what limits can be pushed um I went out to Afghanistan um and that changed everything for me it changed my whole mindset of how I I looked at myself um it changed the way that I I I didn't want to further my career anymore and and those decisions, you know, we're tracing back now. I'm thinking they could be bipolar because of the, the trauma. The, the journey after the transition to Civilian Street was brutal. It was by hard one of the hardest things I've have ever had to adjust to in my life. What age did you when you came out of the army? So I left at 24, just turning 25, um, oh. just after doing a little bit of a work on the Olympics. <laughs> and um, yeah, so... The thing about the army as well, if you, if you, if you, I believe if you join as a young man, a teenager, I also believe you actually leave that way to come onto civilian street. Like there's a big void in your life where you've been institutionalized and you've been told what to do, what to say, where to be, what to wear. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case on civilian street. And I think that's what's quite a big shock for a lot of men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So Coming out of that, I was still young. My uh, lots of things were happening. In the event I didn't quite know there was something wrong with me. Um, I was in a relationship that broke down quite rapidly. Um, wasn't the same relationship as I was when I was away uh, for whatever reason, and it it started to decline really badly. I started to make some very bad decisions, um, which I which I chose to make. Um, I got heavily into steroids. Uh, to the point where it was steroid abuse, mm-hmm. um, but it was an escape. So actually, it was it, it, it's something I talk about to a lot of men. It's like that that's something that a lot of people do. Um, they find a way of abusing themselves, but in a different way. It doesn't, you know, self harm. In my opinion, sort of self harm comes in a lots of different ways. Um, you can actually do it mentally. Like you, you don't have to physically do something. Uh, and this is what I believe. Um, so, yeah, I, I got really, really heavily into steroids. Uh, it, it pushed my physical health to the limit. Um, and then kind of in and out of that and like depression, I lost my driving license, uh, which was a big turning point. Um, I was caught drink driving the morning after I broke the law. End of. I, I deserve a ban. Um, I went through a really extensive court battle with my ex-partner for my daughter, I couldn't even really explain what was going on there because I was in a really low place, but it was hell. Um, mm. But it, there, there's two people involved in a relationship. And the most important thing is, is, is the child that's involved. Um, equally, I, I made some bad decisions and, and so on. So I'll always be open about that. Um, and then from there, the, the depression started to get really bad. Um, and all of a sudden, I managed to hide it, like to, to the point where, it, nobody had a clue what was going on and I, I always say it's it's like crafting the smile like the art of the smile you see you see a lot of pictures or you know of, of celebrities and and people that you know have, have, have believed that they had no other options to take their life and a lot of them are smiling yeah you know? I don't believe that's one face of mental health and mental illness it's not the face but it's something I adopted um and I become very 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 good at it yeah, I think a lot of people look very low. Um, I totally hear you on that and I've done it myself. You get very, very good at pasting on that smile. And that what you just said there, crafting a smile is actually such a good way to describe it um, because it's so accurate because you are literally crafting it out because it, it's yeah. something you fabricate to get through and also to 
help other people as well because for me it was like I'll paint on a smile to make them feel better about the fact that I'm okay when I'm not okay um so I hear you on that no no you're 100% right and it's draining yeah this is what I say to a lot of men like it is draining um oh god it's like I I used to be a very close friend of mine a lady called Lisa like uh, and community is so important with mental health and god knows how she survived what I was going through but she's a very selfless person and yeah there were some seriously bad times I went through but I was a group exercise instructor and a personal trainer and I was able to switch that on at a second. Like people had no idea. And when I, the only person that had an idea was, was Lisa. My parents didn't know. Like I was involved in a little bit through Samaritans and I was, you know, I believe a lot of people have suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Um, and not just people, people with mental do. illness. <laughs> no, 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 100%. And that's confusing as well. Yeah. So my family, yeah, they sort of knew. Uh, they knew that I wasn't quite coping, but not to the extremities. And there was times where I, uh, I was like sitting on like Lisa's floor, like in tears, like, what do I do? Like this is in my head. I even remember saying, so this is going to kill me. Like this, this is whatever I'm feeling now. This is going, I, I can't control it. But then within five minutes, I walk into the gym and it'd be ping. And I'd be like, yes, let's go. Like, but then I'd leave and I'd get tired. And, um, it spiraled. It spiraled out of control. Um, I started to then lock myself away. And that was then my next coping strategy. It's kind of like, can I hold this out? If I couldn't, that was when I locked myself away. And that, I make up all the excuses in the world. I'd say to my, my clients, like, oh, feeling a bit iffy today, not feeling right, all of these things. Um, again, I got back into steroids, um, which I talk about with a lot of men. Um, self-image is well I mean the world of social media is probably one of the biggest applications of that unfortunately um yeah and uh, basically I, I had a I had what, what I believe was a heart attack um luckily it wasn't I actually got a heart condition from the amount of stuff that I was abusing um at the time I was doing other stuff as well um drinking quite heavily um I was taking drugs at the time as well I'll always be open about that because I think it plays a huge part in, in mental health. Like, I, I chose to do those things in the beginning and uh, it's I'll, always, I'll talk I don't, about it. I don't actually think with mental illness, it is a, a bad behaviour thing. I think it's a coping, a way to cope sometimes. And yeah. actually always, <laughs> I think that when someone that is suffering with mental illness turns to drink, drugs steroids work it profuse exercise whatever it is like you're saying it's a way to cope and actually a way to stay alive and um yeah and I really believe that sometimes these things that we go on to think oh we did bad there probably in some weird way did save our life in that moment because we had no yeah. other way to cope until we learned better, right? And no, you know, we 100%. can only do better when we know better. And if you don't know better, you do what you can. And sometimes I just feel like reaching out to them going, do you know what? Well done just for doing whatever you needed to do to stay alive. No, it's, sometimes no, that's men, where men, we men, <laughs> Yeah. Do you know, do you know what? It's, it's um, like you've, you've said that very, very well to the point where it's very understandable. Um, and I think that's what people also, you know, am I doing the right? I, I did it. I also believed I had control. Mm-hmm. Um, but little did I know it, it wasn't. And then something like that becomes a distraction. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to the extremity. But I also didn't know at the time that the actual mental illness that I had was evolving or, you know, but I mean, bipolar is so misunderstood. It's still, it's still called manic depressant. I mean, come on, let's let's just get away from that. Um, and it, yeah, gets it's, misunderstood. it gets misunderstood when it's called manic depression because people think it's really sad. Like, I've yeah. had people go, oh, what, so you're just really depressed? I'm like, oh, yeah. God, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm, like an, I'm like an uncapped mortgage 
and the well of depression yeah. <laughs> at a moment's notice. That's a good right? yeah. <laughs> at a moment's notice, yeah, like, I'm not just very depressed, like, and I'm not knocking depression because depression is no. horrendous. And most people with bipolar spend a lot of their time depressed, actually, yeah. which again is another misconception of, of uh, bipolar, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm all about educating people and keeping it real, like, um, especially with bipolar, like everyone's mental health, mental illness journey is different, right? Um, I don't believe no two depressions are the same. I, I don't believe that definitely no two bipolar is the same, but we might share experiences. And I also talk about that with suicide. Mm. Um, and there's still a huge taboo around it. And there is times when it should be um it should be looked after in terms of how we said it and talk about it because you know people do see it as a trigger um mm-hmm. i totally get that I'm, I'm quite respectful of it but i'm also kind of like i want to change the way we look at mental health and i'm like well how many times is it going to be a trigger and is it always going to be a trigger or is that something that's holding us back mm-hmm. is that is that a way of like i mean it's always like men you've got to talk you've got to talk like we're making progress mm-hmm. but something's still not working so for me, it's kind of like, well, like there's a big gap, uh, you know, getting men to talk and trying to get men to talk as in, you know, we say it and actually men talking themselves. I mean, there's a big, big gap there, big void. And I, also, I actually believe that's. Don't you think that when somebody is unwell, the simply the message you talk more is, is a good message, right? And let's not underestimate yeah. progress from 10 no. years ago. From 10 years ago, it's massive progress. The fact that everyone's like, you know, talk, talk, talk. Great. Yeah. But when you're unwell, that message isn't compelling enough. No. So the people that are well need to be educated to create safe space for people to talk yeah. by bringing subjects into the open, by confronting such a difficult topic like suicide, by saying, if you know for me i have no fear in saying to somebody if i can see them struggling are you okay and very quickly you know have you had any thoughts of ending your own yeah where are you at that's you know this like it's 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 one of the way if not the way to do it like uh, i never live a life full of regret and you know what i'm on this path and this is my path whichever it is and the first time that I attempted to take my life, I could, I, I can promise every single person I speak to about it. Like I was so angry. It didn't happen. I even remember laying in the hospital going, Whoa, like Dean, you can't even do this. Like exactly. you thought you was a failure before, but God, you're a failure now. Yeah. So then you're like, well, like what, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was extreme. Like I had my girlfriend come into a house after I'd taken a very heavy overdose. I injected a lot of things into my body um, for whatever reason. For whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't work. Like it didn't happen. I say work. Mm-hmm. And I was angry. And uh, within like day before Boxing Day, uh, there's a picture. I, even I look at Powerful and I'm smiling. And within 12 hours, um, I tried... I attempted again, but for a different reason. I wanted help that time. Mm-hmm. And the only, I, I couldn't verbally say anything. Like I just couldn't. And I believe so many men can't. Mm-hmm. And there must be a way for them to, to, to do stuff. It, you know, there might be a point where a man may never talk. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he can't express his mental health in another way or he can't surround himself with people that are. And I remember like driving. I was driving around and I went to a home base is as detailed as I can. And like, I went to a home base and I remember as I walked in and I, I'd been, you know, I was, I looked very bad. Like, even I know I did. And I walked into the home base and I was kind of like, they know what I'm going to want to do. And I thought if I've got to do this, I have to do this. But then equally, I was like, I need to be held. And I brought garden stuff as well. Right. And I, I, I brought like a hose, like a little fence, like, who does this after Boxing Day? But it was, I mean, it's kind of like, and, and, and a hose fitting. And then I brought some other stuff. And I then think back and think, wow, that lady served me those things. She had no idea. 
And then I got in my, I got I remember getting in my car and driving around, driving around, driving around. And like my 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 ex-girlfriend phoned me. Like everybody was like, Dean, where are you? Little did I know that they were trying to keep me on the phone. Um and uh, I remember I was driving just to the point where I was like, no one's gonna help me. Um and I was driving down the road and a police car went past me and it was like a movie. I looked in the in, in the rearview mirror and I was like, he's gonna turn around. And he did. And my natural instinct was actually to put the foot on the pedal. But then for some reason I didn't, whatever it was, like I, I probably wouldn't have got away. I was pulled over to the side of the road. Um, he opened the, the, the door, looked down at the footwell, was just like, come on, mate. Like, come, like, he, he, like the, the guy, like, I'll probably never meet him ever again in my life, but geez, wow, like what? And even the stuff he said, and he was just like, you're safe now. Like, and he could relate. I don't know if it's like X forces. Um, and I sat by the wheel and I was on the side of a road, a busy road in tears, sat next to my wheel of the car. Didn't know what was going on. Loads of police came. There was three or four cars. I was classed as a high risk. Um, I was then, you know, he's, he sat there and like, he's kind of like, they, they, one of the policemen said like, you know, we need to breathalyze him. Um, I don't think I'd have been over the limit. Um, but what was said was really powerful. It was kind of like, well, he's got enough on his plate. And some people look at that differently because it's kind of like, well, you could have broken the law and hurt somebody. Um, I looked at it like that then. But I also look at it now like that, that saved my life. Nobody was hurt. Um, nothing happened. And that, that guy knew full well if I was to be breathalyzed and that very small percentage that I'd be caught, my whole entire life would change. And I've got a big, long road ahead of me. Um, yeah, I was detained under the Mental Health Act. Um, I was sectioned, um, not, not for a very long time. Um, then I was under crisis team, moved back at home with my mum and dad, slept mm -hmm. on a five foot long couch. I'm six foot four. Couldn't get out of depression. Lost, lost my little house that I was living in. Um, lots of stuff happened there, and everyone hid it. So we blame my heart. Like all at work, they're like, "Oh, so I was getting messages saying, oh, I hope you're okay, Dean. Like, I hope your heart's okay.'" <laughs> like they'd had no idea. Um, I was with the crisis team. They're bringing my medication to me daily. Who made that decision to say it with your heart and not your mental health being unwell. As in, sort of, whose decision? Yeah. Um. But how did how did that happen I've, for you? I've, I think it was like a kind of like I mean, for me, I, I was I I, I suppose I was embarrassed okay. to a degree. Um, to, you know, if there's if there's kind of, uh, and then also it was kind of like, could do people want to like? see me do they want to work with me do they want to train me after i've 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 attempted to take my life twice like that's how i viewed suicide like people wouldn't want to be around me yeah and and that was like i was like okay so this is what we're going to do um and also it's a distraction because there's a lot going on behind closed doors um i was going through treatment i couldn't like the i was still like still having suicidal thoughts. I mean, like the, the, the time back to where I, where I got pulled over by the police, moments before I actually left, as you mentioned, I was, I was sat on my mum dad's kitchen floor with, with a knife. And so for me, it was like, this needs to be a distraction. How do I, how do I talk about this to people? So we used to heart and, you know, everyone leaves you away. Mm -hmm. And then I was having a lot of treatment. And then that, my, my whole entire journey changed um, on one Facebook post. Um, and I was kind of like, my, my my daughter's mum needs to know and that was a hard conversation really tough she always knew something was wrong with me um and then yeah one facebook post one changed my whole entire changed my whole entire life and i you know i can pretty much recite what it is and remember this i said i was like i'm a dad i'm an ex-soldier i'm i'm this i'm that i'm that i said all of these things and then right at the end it was basically like and I nearly and I tried to take my life, and that right there changed everything, right? Absolutely everything because I I exposed myself and I see it as well. I want to help my mental health. The only way I can do it is I can work with it or work against it. 
Um, and people in my head, I was like, people have got to understand me, but also this is a community thing now. And there's loads of emotions going on. Yeah. That one Facebook post, I've never been, I, I felt sick, <laughs> like yeah. clicking that post button. Um, but it changed. And as cliche as it sounds, the mo I didn't talk with my mouth. I used another method. Um, and that was it. My whole entire, as before, I was diagnosed with bipolar, which got, got interesting. But yeah, that that was the moment my life changed because not my, the people that surrounded me, that like you know, the, the stigma around male male suicide and mental health was, uh, you know, is very different even three years ago to what it is now. And uh, yeah, it's. Um, and was this three years feet, ago like, for you? How long ago was this for you that you went public? Right. Um, yeah, so it was 2018. Uh, it wow. was uh, about, about January time. Um, and yeah, the uh, it, it was like, yeah, it was like I got feedback from it. And it, it was kind of like people, people was like, I never knew. I didn't know. And actually some people started feeling guilty wow. um, because they feel like they should have been able to help me. And they, they, there was a lot of people that feel like I couldn't. Like my clients, they're like, I never knew. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I had no idea this was going on, and you, you kept a job together, and you kept this together, and it's kind of like they're like, you're, you know, you're really brave and strong. And it, I, I weren't at that point yet. Like I don't see myself as brave. Uh, I don't see myself. We, we're all very resilient people, right? We all are. It's development. It's life. We're a lot more resilient than we think. But I didn't look at it like that. I looked at it as I saw no choice to live but then I started to see a choice I, I started to see something to live for mm -hmm. and and that right there is is everything um yeah and people ever since then it's been uh it's been a whirlwind um when you yeah, posted been... that post and you said you felt sick clicking it oh <laughs> and I did and I I've done the same like I went public with my mental health um a, a couple of years after I had a breakdown and was suicidal myself and I'm interested to know, because obviously I know how I felt, but I'm interested to know how you felt afterwards and when people started responding, because you say it changed my life. So tell yeah. me how the feelings changed for you. Right, so you know that old saying, a weight's lifted off your shoulder? Yeah. Multiply that by a house, a yeah. building. <laughs> like, I actually felt it. Like, all of a sudden, it was like... <sighs> yeah. Like you just let no, it all I, come. Yeah. Oh, it's and gone. it was like a rev yeah, it's like a revelation. Like, you know, people have a lot of these spiritual things and you know, yeah. spiritual bypasses, and I respect people for that and everything else. But that's not my way of thinking. It's not my belief. But by God, that was like an out-of-body experience. Like it was so powerful and it you know, I, I don't like to speak as a motivational speaker. That's not me. I don't believe in that sort of thing. Uh, Inspiration is good. But I just wish people could feel that feeling. Yeah. And, and realise that, yes, you're looking like you're over a cliff edge. Uh, that's, that's bipolar quite a lot. And, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Madness. It's a fun journey, yeah? And I'm then, laughing, not but, at you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got to laugh at mental illness as well. Like, come on, laugh at the face of adversity, mm. right? There's some funny times I've had with bipolar. Whoa. <laughs> and it's some dark times, right? <laughs> um, but fine. yeah, so yeah, no, I actually love it. I'm only saying that now. If I'm having a low, I don't love it. <laughs> um, but I, I'm, I'm in love with bipolar at the minute. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's just, yeah, I mean I'll eat my words tomorrow. Um, <laughs> You'll be tempted yeah. to say, I don't love it today. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like, I was like that last Thursday and Friday. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh, no. Who gave me this? <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I wish I could like take is a feeling. It was amazing. Yeah. But it didn't, it wasn't the answer. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a diagnosis, because I got a diagnosis around that time of bipolar because I basically woke up in the morning, got dressed, got shaved and went to work, which blew everyone's mind. Um, it's kind of like you, we, you think that getting a diagnosis, that everything's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. But all it's not is it's part of the process. Mm -hmm. 
And actually, it can become a lot harder. Mm-hmm. And that's where the actual struggle happens, which I believe is when you come to terms with what you've got, you've got to understand what you've got. You've got to learn to deal with it. It's a different type of struggle, but be under no illusion. And I'm talking to people is not easy. And a diagnosis isn't an answer. It's not an answer for what's happened. You're not going to walk out of the, the, you know, the hospital and be like, I'm cured. You know, all of these the things like they, they've, it's the beginning. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's things go beginning. crazy again. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. This, um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, a lot of people talk about chapters in your journey. Like yeah. it's a whole new chapter. Um, yeah. You've got to continue to be open, right? You're going to come into some big, big battles, huge, bigger than what you went through, I believe, to a degree like medication i took lithium and i've never i've had one psychotic episode in my time which goes past manic and hypermania i didn't that was just a scary time in my life and you've i don't think no one can prepare you for that next bit you've just got to be quite open to it and you've got to be surrounded by a community and Mm -hmm. I believe that your community, every single person plays a different part. I, I don't play football, so I can't relate to football, but rugby, everyone's got their own job, right? My community, everyone else has another job. Someone's there to take the wrath of it, right? They, they are there to take it, but I'm not there to talk about my feelings to them. Then someone, if I'm feeling low and overwhelmed and I'm upset, like I've got a person for that because they're all different personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my mum and dad, uh, you know, they, they, they have a very hard uh, time at the minute. My mum's uh, multiple sclerosis in the final stages. And my dad's doing everything he can and, and they're doing really hard. But I can't talk to them about stuff. So I feel like everyone, um, you, can't, you can't deal with your mental illness once diagnosis. You can't do it alone. No. You can't. You cannot do this alone. No. And if you think you are, you've got a very big chance of going back to where you was. Absolutely. And you just, you know, you, you can't do it alone. I don't want people to think they can do it alone. Like, because you, because you can't. No, you can't. Um, not long-term, not for the long haul, no. not for the, not for the getting steady for decent periods of time. Lifestyle. <laughs> no. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely can't. And and I'm with you with the community thing. You know, you see these posts, find your tribe. For me, I look at that and it goes go that that actually goes really deep for me because um I went when I first got ill, everyone thought I was suicidal and depressed, right? Because that's how I was presenting. Because when you're hypermanic, people think you're smashing it, you're Efficient, <laughs> cool, you're funny, you're the life oh. of the party, like you're having a great yeah, time, yeah. right? And actually, you love feeling like that too. Oh, it's like a drug. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's, and it's hard. Part after getting diagnosed bipolar, accepting that that life bit of your life has to become a bit duller can be really difficult to accept. Um, yeah. It's really hard. It's like a loss. Yeah. Actually, that's the bit that you kind of enjoyed. Like no one, right. you know. Yeah. It's the perk, right? It's the perk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. It's um. But it tips yeah, over. Yeah. It tips over into yeah. irritability, anger, pulling yep. out with yep. people, right? And then we start to get unwell. Um. But the find your tribe thing, I find, it can be quite a superficial saying, but actually, if you really dig into that. I went to a depression alliance support group to try and find wow, someone who wow. understood how I felt. And I sat in a yeah. room and the people around the room were talking about how they were just always depressed. And I was sitting yeah. there waiting for someone to say, yeah, but you know, on the days where you can get up and smash yeah. it and own it and you feel like you're running the world and no one said it. And I was sitting no. thinking, oh, I don't know. Anyway, then after I got diagnosed with bipolar, I went to Bipolar UK support in Brighton. Amazing. I went in, I sat down and I shared my story about how once I was driving along and I believed that I could control the traffic and it was me. 
if I wasn't yeah, on yeah, the road yeah. that day driving, the roads would have been in absolute chaos. It was only the fact that I was there driving that this that all of these roads around me were driving successfully. That was what I did, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, and I shared that story, and everyone in the room went, "Yeah." And I thought, "Yeah, like I this, have right? found my tribe. <laughs> I found them. Yeah. This is amazing because they don't think I'm mental." <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's it. It was wonderful. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is when you when you got bipolar, like I find that funny. Yes, me too. Right? Like, I find it hilarious. No, no, I, I, like, I've done some, oh, God, like, I've done some crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I look at bipolar, bipolar as well. It's, it's an identity crisis. Um, when you get diagnosed, you then don't, you then try to work out who you really are. Yes. What's, um, me, and what's, so, what's me and what's yeah. bipolar? Yes. Like, yeah, I want to be this, like, am I that bubbly person? Or yeah. am I this person in the middle? Or I'm this person that, like, that, that's a big thing for bipolar for me, is, is it does, it feels like a, a person, an identity crisis, right? Yeah. I said before, like, who is actually Dean? Like, who is he? Like, I don't, I don't actually know half the time. Um, and yeah, like, like you're saying, like, I've, I've, oh, no. <laughs> I've been back at it, like, madness. I like I done like I done like five grand right that I didn't even have I thought I was a millionaire so so yeah I, I can't, <laughs> it's bad in it so um yeah I, I I put this elaborate weekend on for an ex partner right and uh, I tried to hire a helicopter to land at Battersea by the hotel and like I was doing this with a credit card but I I promise you like that credit card was my bank balance like I had no concept and it was like bam 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 like lavish nights out buying all these big bottles of vodka all this sort of stuff and yeah it's kind of like it's it's, it's the point after it like mm. i love being like hypermanic well you feel right? because don't you ah yeah Literally, you feel so good like there's nothing that could possibly happen that could prevent you no. from all of your wildest dreams and plans no. and there's no, no. no way that there's any issue with any of it I hear, I hear, I hear you. Yeah, that's oh, good. It's, it's uh, I can feel it now as well. I'm like, oh yeah, come on. <laughs> like I could get it's overwhelming. It's like yes. And it's learning. Yeah, it Once wrong. you get that diagnosis, you have to really be careful and mindful. And you know, like what I say to a lot of people that I speak with who have bipolar is learning to understand what is your condition. And what is your conditioning is so crucial in recovery of bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely critical because otherwise we can blame all of our behavior on bipolar. It becomes the scapegoat, right? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I've got bipolar. So, of course, scapegoat yeah. goes on the scapegoat pile. We blame bipolar. Yeah. And then what we do is we start to take, we don't, we start to, not take enough responsibility for ourselves no. and our condition Gary. and our behavior right so for me the most critical and intricate part of my recovery has been to learn what is my mental health condition what is my conditioning and which parts of my conditioning trigger my mental health condition yeah. and the more i've started to learn this the less i get triggered and the yeah. more well i stay but the more sort yep. of unaware I am of the conditioning through my childhood, through my upbringing, like you, through your experiences, you know, being in the army, there will be so much, um, so many experiences in there that will be triggering and tr from previous trauma to you that yep. can then trigger your health, mental health condition, right? Until we start to really pick it apart, like to the nth degree and understand all of that, we're going to con our mental health condition will constantly be triggered by these conditioning triggers and no, that for me has been the most intricate difficult part of my recovery because I've had to grieve for things that guess what I can't do that anymore because it makes me no, makes no. me unwell yep yeah this um yeah I think it I do think of my power to look after my mental health right yeah. now. Not my mental illness. I do everything to look after my mental health. Yeah. Um, 
I think people need to understand the difference between the two yeah. because there's a big difference. We've all got mental health. We're all at a risk of getting mental illness. I believe every single person is at a risk. Great. Right. So it starts with your mental health. So I do everything in my power. Right. Don't get me wrong. This every now and again, like I, I've not, I, I've been teetotal with drink for like, well, like eighteen months. Like I yeah. have to. Yeah. Um, but I know the severity of it. Um, a lot of people are like, oh my god, do you miss it? No, because I don't want to go back there. Um, yeah. And I call that marginal gains, right? And I say to people who look after mental health, it's kind of like, this is why I want people to change the way they look at their physical mental health. It's like, you don't need to change everything straight away. And you don't need to change one thing so dramatically. Like marginal gains, take a little bit from that, take a little bit from that, a little bit from that. And it's understanding where people can take that away and accept that they can take that away and yes. live with it. Yes. Because otherwise resentment comes in and then we go back yeah. to that behaviour and act out in it again. I am exactly that. So like, with you. I am with you. Yeah. No, no, that's it. It's uh like I could teach you skills, right? Um, but it's gonna be down to your attitude and your beliefs, like aptitude, right? Well, yeah. I, I could teach my like so like a little girl someone to ride a bike, right? But I, I can't teach her to to to, to do it every single day, like as she gets older or something like that. I have that in my clients. I learned that in the army. Like, like I said, like, like I can, like I said, I can, I can teach you skills. You can teach me skills, but it's your attitude and your behavior mm -hmm. that will make you apply them skills. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is, yeah, it's, 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 I believe it's, you know, it's a lot of reasons why people go back to old ways. It's a lot of reasons why going back to what you said a few minutes ago, is like, um, I will blame bipolar sometimes and it's not, it's my iceberg beliefs. It's stuff that I've created habits. Mm -hmm. uh, it's quite an easy go-to, but then also I'm confused with it. And why, why, Once you get that, and once you understand that and understand where the root is and, and so on and life gets, life gets easier, it gets better. Um, and when you get other people to understand them as well, right? That, that's why it's so important to talk to, to talk to people around you like they've got to understand your mental health your mental illness because if they don't they're never going to be able to help you but they also need to stand that you know you're not being a bit of an ass like it's that is the mental health but then you also i also need someone to go dean a lot of people are not gonna get out your self-pity pit yeah. right you can't say people look at that as it's like you know it's it's down in the stigma bucket like you can't say that to someone and you can't do this it's like well some people are and i'll tell you why because there's times when i feel sorry for myself and i shouldn't have to or i shouldn't choose to and that's another thing as well like you, you, i need to be told by people going Dean, like get out of that city like you're feeling sorry for yourself but that's taken them a long time to learn that. And the only reason why they learn that is, is because I, I'll be open with them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. We're making it sound like it's quite easy. Mm. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, it's not. <laughs> it's, a, it's a never ending journey. Right. And I think that was one of the hardest things for me to accept. I could accept that I was diagnosed with it. But in the back yep. of my mind, I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to fix it. And then I'm going to just carry on as normal. There right. was that little narrative going on in the back of my head after diagnosis. But, you know, yeah. I worked really hard. I could like fix all this and then just like have normal again. Yeah. What was normal anyway. Life before certainly wasn't normal. Uh, no, no. So for me, it was like. I went through a stage of like fighting against it. I'll train super hard. I'll work super hard. Yeah. You know, I'll beat this thing. Yeah. You can't beat it. You have to learn to respect it and coexist and live with. And then yeah. do little steps every day. Do this, you know, not go all or nothing, which is really in the nature of someone that has bipolar. It's, you know, one of those things we have to work really hard not to do all or nothing. <laughs> um, yep. It's the little bits, like you're saying, these small gains. It's, it's such a good way to describe it. Um, it's the little things that you can do that become just yeah, huge habits that are going to be the biggest game changers in recovery, for sure. 
a hundred percent right and um i like to i've really just started to kind of adopt this concept with it it's like our goal in life is to thrive right mm. um thriving is development you know you look at far end look at a flower <laughs> when it blooms it's thriving right mm. um i look at mental health like that i'm looking at lockdown like that it's, it's a form of resilience uh it's, it's, it's my way of looking at resilience but I actually do believe now, and I've got some respect for myself, that I'm actually thriving within this mental illness. Mm-hmm. I believe I am. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, is everybody thinks thriving is you've got to be bouncing off the wall. I mean, don't get me wrong, when I'm manic, I'm pigging. Like, it looks like Goodwill hunting, right, in my house. There's just post-its everywhere. Formulas I didn't even know I could create, right? <laughs> and um, <laughs> about 20 businesses that never happened. So we, we go through this process, you know what I mean, right? We, I've got some serious notebooks. They're just stack loads. And it's the same thing in every single one. <laughs> and uh, uh, Resilience. Yeah. Like, resilience isn't one thing. Yeah. It's a series of things. We go through it through our days. Um, and I've broken it down to four stages. I, I haven't adopted this myself. I've just looked at other different books and took it on and go, well, I've got a book here that says 10 steps to resilience. Like, I, I can't even remember all sorts of things in my life. I'm not going to remember 10. So I kind of break it to four and it's like shock, endure, adapt, thrive. So it happens every single day in our life. We just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. You then with the shock, you have certainty, uncertainty, right? You're going for a job interview. You're knowing you're going for that job interview and you have every single right to be anxious and nervous about it. Every single right. That's normal. That's like, that's normal. Um, and then you go through the endure phase, like the initial couple of minutes sitting in there, like, this is like, then you adapt, right? And you start thriving. Mm-hmm. And you can look at it like the, like the whole other end of the spectrum, the most simplest of tasks. Like I spoke to someone about flat pack furniture, like Ikea, right? And they're like, nah, that doesn't make sense. I was like, really? Have you ever gone around that like one-way system, the hardest one in the world in Ikea? Bit of a shock, right? And then you have to jaw bumping into people, then you adapt, and then you get your item at the end of it. Like, come on, let's, if we can make stuff relatable, and uh, you know, there's no doubt where... You believe at some points where you might be thriving within your your mental health and mental health at the minute, but you don't stay there. And you've got to realize that it's okay to go back to a certain stage. Mm. It could be by choice how long you stay there, but it's okay to go back. The reason being is because thriving is development, right? Mm. And endure is to to endure suffering for a a long period of time or, or however it may be. Adapt. Our, our, our minds and our bodies are incredible, right? So you're not always going to stay in there. No. But you learn the skills to get back in there, right? It's development. Right. And all of these little things are part of it, talking to people, speaking out. If you can't speak yet, surround yourself with people that can, right? Yes. Um, you don't have to speak out if you don't want to. No. Uh, I, I take away a lot of the phrases like, you know, you've got to be kind to yourself and so on. I think that was the last mental health awareness week kind of um, phase and stuff. Uh, come on, Emma, like define being kind to yourself. And I know a lot of people can listen to this going, oh, come on, Dean, but it's a little bit like, okay. Like, what does okay mean? Like, okay for you is different okay for me. Yeah. And it's okay, you know, it's okay to not be okay. So what is not okay? This is my view, right? This is how I look at mental health. Um, that's not to say that I'm digging it out and I'm, I'm, I'm being very negative with it and, and I'm saying it's not the right way to go and it's not the right way to be about it, but... I think it's... being kind to yourself and this statement of it's okay not to be okay, really, for me, I sum it up as just honouring how you are in that moment, whatever that yes. is. Yeah. So for me, all of these sayings really boil down to are we just being authentic are we honoring the fact that right now i feel like that's it i feel like shit right now and that's okay so i'm going to just sit and feel like shit for a bit and then tomorrow i might feel okay and by okay i mean i've got the energy to get up get dressed wash my hair put my makeup on and go out and do something whatever it is if we can honor wherever we're at without pretending right so this for me is key. Yep. the minute we go into pretense, we start, we're not honoring how we are. We're not honoring where we're at. 
we're not honoring our state of health or emotions and we start crafting that smile back on and that's yep. when we get into problems because we start hiding it and we create shame and you know you said when you posted that post you just felt it all lift i have yep. experienced that every time i have just gone bang this is me this is it yeah and actually yeah I'm not going to pretend to be this to keep pleasing everyone and hoping everyone likes me. This is me. And whoever stays, stays. And whoever doesn't, doesn't. And that's okay with me. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, totally. Of pretending. I can't pretend anymore because it's making me ill. 100%. No, no, no. Yeah, it's literally good. It's, it's great. When you listen to people and talk to people, like they, they completely alliterate the words that you say because it comes from their view and their beliefs. Yeah. Um, and like I said about that kind of like, for me, it, it'd be like, for a lot of things, it'd be kind of like, I believe that mental health and mental illness is about kind of living in the moment. Yeah. Right? Because if we look at the emotions and, and, and the illness, like, what, what is anxiety? Right? What, what is it? It's not something that's happened in the past. Like, you're, you're thinking about something that's upcoming, the future or, or an outcome that may even need, ever need to happen. So what's depression, right? Um. Yeah, for for me, it's 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 kind of living in that past, mm -hmm. um, trauma wise, all of these sort of things, and then we never live right now, right? Like we're talking right now, and this is powerful, mm -hmm. um, so so powerful. And the moment you don't live in the now is one you don't understand how you feel, so you lose the ability to have a self care check in, which I'm a big fan of doing, and so much goes by. So much of your life goes by, you miss the people that want to help you, you overlook certain things, you forget gratitude, all of these things, because we're not living in this moment. Mm -hmm. right, so that's, I always kind of look at it like that as myself. It's, I've, I've always struggled with like trying to define what okay means. And what you've said is a, com is a complete different angle in it. And all of a sudden, you've, someone's going to listen to this and you've changed the way we look at mental health, right? Because you've said something that's so relatable, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's about. Because every, we write our own self-care books, right? You can go and buy one. There's thousands of them. But you are an expert in your own journey, right? So if I believe, yeah. So, so if I believe that I don't, you know, I, I don't personally like that it's okay to not be okay. I can believe that, right? Because it's my own journey. Mm -hmm. Um. And people need to be a lot more honest with themselves, but they also need to be honest with other people. And we're not, we can't do that because we're frightened. Right? We, live, we live in a bit of fear. But you've literally just kind of changed the whole entire angle from, from, from what you're saying. Like, be kind to yourself. I can't work that out. I don't know what it is, but you put it in your way. Mm. And that's powerful. All right. But the more people that put, them, put it in their own way, and they share their experiences and they make it relatable. I believe something's going to change. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Power, power is in, in people sharing for sure. And for me, the biggest power in the healing journey, recovery journey has come from sharing and hearing other people share. Yeah. It's so powerful. Don't get me wrong. I've gone to therapists and yeah. Plenty of them, trauma therapists, EMDR, counselling, yeah. psychiatrists, yeah. psychologists, you name it. I've been there, like most of us have. But I still, there's still that like power dynamic. There's still that like you're there and there's still a bit of shame because you're the one that's in the struggle position. And do you see? So for me, the most powerful change and feeling held, seen, heard and understood has come from being with people that go, me too. I get it. Yeah. Like, Amazing. <laughs> this is what I need. And this is the bit that we need. So even if you're listening to this today, and like Dean said, you don't want to, it's not for you to just go public on your socials. That's not what this is about. But even just consuming content where other people share their experience and you sit at home and have that aha moment, that light bulb moment that goes, I'm not doing this journey alone. That is enough. It's not about going yeah. out and sharing with thousands of people. Everyone's different. Everyone does their journey differently. No. Just even 
even just consuming something where you sit there and go, I'm not doing this alone is, is powerful enough to help you in your journey of recovery yeah. or healing. And so be careful what you consume, surround yourself with people, even if it's yeah. not your voice, what you said is so good. You know, even if it's not your voice, surround yourself with other voices. Um, yeah. It's super, super powerful. Now I've got a question for you. I am sure (laughs) I've seen you doing a fundraising walk. What were you doing? But whatever it was, it was big, wasn't it? Were you not walking somewhere? What what, what, to come in the future? No, were you, are you doing something where you're fundraising for Bipolar UK? Is that, have I seen that? Oh, no. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, um, it's happening. Like it, it was supposed to be happening next year. Um, I'm always doing mad stuff anyway, but there's some, there's some people out there, a guy called oh, Fergus guy here. He just done Ben Nevis like 11 times. But yeah, so basically like, no, no, you're, you're going to catch me out here. Cause no one knows about this. So oh. you've got the Pennine way. Nah, no one knows about this. So it's, it's, it's in the planning sort of thing. Um, but COVID like every push away. So you got the uh, Pennine way, which is a bit more North up England. So yeah, they, they say that you can walk it in like a, like, I don't know, the typical hiker, like 11 to 14 days. Um, but I want to half it. But I also want to carry the um, the 45 pounds on my back as well, which is the, um, the equivalent to what a lot of the British Army wear when they're doing some of their training, um, especially through like their training. Uh, and it, it, it gets a lot more after that, don't get me wrong. So, yeah, that's what it was. I got like, I got uh, sank in January, uh, just a small event. It's like 54 kilometers over the uh, break, uh over the penny fan he's like just a carrying small event. 45 uh, it's just a small event yeah you, you gotta <laughs> look at things like that like yeah no but it's it's um it's great raising awareness and there's a lot out there now but mm. those things like that like what i do for myself like yesterday i've done a hero workout with like a thousand step ups with with 20 kilos on me in like 49 minutes right that's actually for me as well. Um, I enjoy feeling that way. Mm-hmm. I can control feeling that way. And maybe I still have that bit of self-abuse in there, but I've harnessed it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, there's a couple of events next year that'll be quite good. I normally, I do like a monthly thing for Bipolar UK as well. Just run a bit of a boot camp. I talk about resilience with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on hold at the minute, the obvious um and yeah and then uh i've been asked to uh come on board I'll, I'll probably be talking to you a little bit more in the future but um yeah come on board with the um something that's going on with bipolar uk next year i don't even know if i can say it <laughs> but there's some there's some big things coming next year and i've i've very um i'm absolutely humbled to be asked to be a part of the 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 project and platform they're trying to build well they will build they will for the mod and soldiers coming out um yeah yeah so good it's stuff. happening good yeah. stuff yeah i'm good excited stuff comes out of um good stuff comes out of good people that have been through hard things that's what i know yeah right yeah yeah you me anybody <laughs> yeah um dean thank you so much for being so open yeah. and honest today and taking the time and giving your energy in this space i'm super grateful uh, no thank you like i really appreciate your time and and what you're doing as well it's very it you know it's very selfless um and and equally it's it's you know you're, you're very open yourself and I, do, I find that incredible so to, to be able to have the opportunity to to talk to you for the past hour an hour and a half and uh, and be able to share stuff like you've helped me as well so no it's, it's thank you thank you it's a two-way street really yeah and um and when yeah. i was for anyone listening when dean was sharing you know some of the uh more questionable moments that bipolar presents to people that have bipolar when you heard me laughing i'm definitely not laughing at dean um it's more (laughs) (laughs) it's the laugh that 
anyone that's got bipolar will understand yeah um, it's a bipolar it's, thing <laughs> it's the laugh of understanding and um of me too so yeah um yeah it's with love and with understanding and um and and nothing else just to just to clarify because anyone that doesn't have bipolar yeah. might be horrified by that they might think oh my yeah. god <laughs> but yeah. it, it's, a, it, it's a knowing it's a loving it's a me too Yes, that's it, isn't it? If you ain't got bipolar, you just wouldn't understand. It's like yeah, you might think I'm being mean. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm not. Trust me. <laughs> we have that kind of thing going on. So, no, cool. thank you so cool. much for coming on. Um, and where can we find you? Uh, just one platform now um, for some self-care purposes, which is Instagram. So everything else is gone now. So it's nu underscore element. So new element, and that is absolutely it because i actually want to look after myself as well i love that so yeah um, catch us on there share share it like share. yeah i'll put your links in all of the posts that we do so people can find you and um oh, yeah. amazing thank you very much thank you for listening and i look forward to introducing you to my guest in my next episode until then don't forget to take care of you